Episode number seven. Is that right, Glenn? Seven? Yes, we're up to seven. I think that that, that puts us at about uh, a third of the way of actually knowing what we're doing. What was the what was the magic number? Twenty one, or was it twenty? Yeah, we we have to get we have to get twenty under our belt, and then by twenty one, then we're at that point we're professionals, or at least halfway have our have our stuff together. I should I should know how many episodes we have since I took the mighty task of getting our podcast in the Google Play Store today. Yeah, very nice, very nice work there. That's a uh, good IT work. That's that's why I'm funding this thing because those are the results I'm getting. Those literally tens of dollars that you've spent on this thing are starting to really show dividends. Yeah, really spreading our wings to um, you know the MacBook crowd already. And the PC crowd, and now, I don't know. Does Google Play? Does that does that play to the to the? I guess you could say like the Android Android crowd. I don't know. I was thinking maybe the Acer. Well, I don't know if we do that. I don't know if we do well in that demographic yet. We probably need to have more forty yard dash and Schumpert talk to really appeal to the Acer demo. I think we laid a pretty firm uh, foundation there, if you will. Um, in the first handful of episodes, so I think we're looking pretty strong. Very there. firm. Yeah, absolutely. So no, I agree. So we've had uh, had a few weeks off here, and most of that is mainly due to you taking uh, an extravagant vacation of your own. I did. I did. I I followed in your footsteps. Didn't uh, didn't leave the country. Didn't hang out with any euros. But uh, yeah, I did spend five days in the exciting outpost of Virginia Beach. So this was a beachfront trip. This was a beachfront trip, and it was it's a different kind of beach. I know in your many world travels, you've been all over, and it's certainly not the Pacific Coast or real resort douchey beach where there's a bunch of people laying out. This is more the uh, Jaws kind of beach, very family-oriented a lot of people, it was, a lot of kids, hanging out, cooking out, picnics, that kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, can I assume this was a family trip for you as well? Yes, it is. The uh, woman that I'm currently seeing, we actually rented a. Uh, it was actually a really big family trip. It was. It was almost an unofficial family reunion. We, we rented a large um, house on the beach and stayed there with lots of family, lots of kids. We had aunts, uncles, cousins, people we hadn't seen in many, many years. It, it was really just a big old family circle jerk, if you know what I mean. Oh, I don't think I've ever phrased it that way for a, for a family vacation, but uh, it's... It, could, is that an early front runner for... Um, podcast number seven title uh, the, <laughs> the phrase family circle jerk i don't know i'm just gonna throw it out there i'm gonna make a note uh, i think it's it's either a potential title or it's gonna be the name of my third album one of the two <laughs> but no it was cool we we got to do a lot of stuff that we never ever get to do here in texas because the house came fully furnished with everything you would need, including a PlayStation 2 and NHL 2005. Wow, so it was up to date, fully furnished. It was it was very up to date, but but no, they had a, there was a dock out back, they had fishing poles, crab traps, kayaks, bikes, wow. all these things that I don't own. I don't own a bike, I don't own a kayak, I don't own a fishing pole. 
a myriad of activities to do for five days in the beach. Do you own a PS2? I actually do own a PS2, and I actually own NHL 2005. Yeah, I actually also have the PS2, but it is the most uh, recent gaming system that I uh, that I possess. I don't possess anything newer than that. So really, running a little bit behind the t- behind the times there. That's it. You, Glenn. That surprises me. You strike me as the kind of guy who would be a Madden player. Um, there is a there is a Madden. I think it's 2008. Uh, sitting in my cabinet, which I think I've played maybe two times, and I only bought it because Vince Young was on the. Wow! So you never you never made it far enough into the gaming progression to get into online gaming or anything like that. No, um, really, never played anything with any, uh, you know, habitually or with any reckless abandon. Probably post uh, Techno Super Bowl. So past the early to mid-90s, it was all just kind of very, very casual. I played so much Tecmo Super Bowl growing up that my parents literally had to put a time limit on the number of games I could play in a day. It wasn't, it wasn't a time of, of how much Nintendo I could play in a day. It was, these are how many games of Tecmo Super Bowl you can play in a day, because there was no other game that was going in there. Yeah. Oh, it was... Um, I have played... I'm sure you did the same. Um, entire seasons, playoffs, and Super Bowl within one day. Oh yeah, until the rules were put in place. Yeah. Did you ever do this bit of sorriness that I would do, which was you could go in and edit the starters on the team you were playing? Did you ever do that? No, that sounds very unethical and against God's will. Oh yeah, no. You would go in there. You'd look at who your weak one you know opponent is and then you just go in and you would put their backup qb backup running back in the and and you remember in that game any of the backups like one of the key characteristics is they fumble all the time and then i would also you could also change your playbook so i would change all their plays to flea flickers because then all you'd have to do is grab a lineman break the line tackle the guy that was going to receive the flea flicker and it's an automatic fumble you didn't do any of this oh what it an easy way out. Now I have I never did that. I never changed their plays or anything like that, but I have at, at, I got to one some point where um it was unacceptable anything less than an undefeated season and undefeated all the way through the Super Bowl was unacceptable with any team. Right. And if if I lost and I truly just lost, that was fine, but there were several times over the course of playing that game that you know, you only lost because you're ahead, and it's like the end of the fourth quarter. But um, you know, you can't control fumbling, and you're returning like a punt, and your guy fumbles, and they return it for a touchdown. You know, with 12 seconds left, and before it hits zero, you just hit the reset button, <laughs> probably dropping a a very loud expletive, and just replay it, and then turn around to beat the same team. You know, 42 to seven the next time around. So. I've done that, but no, I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't sorry enough to uh, change the other team's players and starters. That seems a little a little too far. I also didn't use the trick where you can basically just take the nose guard and just dive him at the quarterback at any play where they're not in the shotgun and just get a sack. I, I didn't use that technique either. Yeah, no, if you were if you were playing somebody else, you had to have shotgun plays cause, for exactly that reason. But, yeah. But here's, what's, here's the enigma about young Tommy Lynch. 
I had a real ethical problem with what you did. I would never do that. If if I lost the game, I would take the loss. But I also had the exact same infatuation with always having to have an undefeated season, a 16-0 and season, and would go to great lengths of putting in backups, changing the playbook. But if I lost the game, I lost the game. I would never stop a game midstream. Well, of course you didn't have to. And that was extremely frustrating because – there were some games I think the computer just decided you were going to lose when you usually fumble the opening kickoff in that game and you just couldn't yeah. hold on to the ball. And I would just take it. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say, oh, this is going to be one of those games and start over. I would play till the end and take the loss. Well, you, cha- you couldn't have lost any games. You changed all their plays to just punt and quarterback sneak. I mean, there's no way you could have possibly lost. Well, I, no, I think the – I think the, well, first of all, if you were playing Detroit and they had Rodney Pete, you did not want to do that quarterback sneak because he'd take it for a touchdown every time. No. Uh, or uh, QB Eagles, as he was named. Yes. If QB <laughs> Eagles is in excellent condition, you were in, uh, you were in some trouble. Yeah. I believe QB Eagles and QB Vikings were the same way. Yeah, so. lots of lots of bits on that game. Um, as we go off on just a complete tangent, but I can recall please um, just trying to get as many rushing yards as possible with a running back. So, so you yep. can take the other running sure. back and run backwards like a hundred yards, just so you could take the guy you're trying to rack up yards with, and then run all the way back down the field. <laughs> and I think with Bo Jackson, obviously, and I think with Thurman Thomas, I want to say somewhere between like 1,300 and 1,500 yards is what I was able to rack up within a single game. Oh, my gosh. No, this is bringing back such great memories because – so I got really – so after – you know, I think after the – you get the 16-0 and season down where you can hit that pretty pretty regularly, and then you start really fixating on the stats – and I would play entire seasons doing bits, and the one bit I was never, ever able to do that I tried, and I mean, I would get far, was the 100% completion percentage for a season. Oh, wow. That is impressive. And, and, and I would take that bit to the extreme, which was I would run that, that, the, the play where the, where the tight end basically goes out about five yards, runs to the middle of the field and stops, and there's either somebody covering him or there's not. And I would pick that play every time, if he was open, I would throw it to him, and if he wasn't, I would just run straight up out of bounds and run it again. And every year, you would have that pass where you flip it to the tight end, he's wide open, and it just bounces off of him, and then that yeah. kills your completion percentage. Yeah, there's no way I pulled that off. I don't know if it's the same play, but you know, if the if the defense calls your play, it's just an all-out 11-man blitz, and you're basically dead in like half a second. Right. But there was one, it might be the same pass play, that... Um, if you recognize they called your play, you could just switch receivers. I think it was three times and pass it, and the guy would catch it every single time. But there was only one play you could do that yeah. on, and he always, they always had to go to the other view where he jumps up in the air to catch it, but it was automatic basically every single time. No, that, that was the play, and that was the best play in the game because yeah. you had your top receiver run straight to the end zone, you, your bottom receiver runs a button hook about 10 yards out, and then your tight end stands in the middle of the field and waits for you. And one of those three guys is always wide open. And there's, it was basically an indefensible play. And when I would play, you know, against friends heads up, you would, you, the only way you could play the game was to be a defensive back, preferably a good, good one that was really fast, and then run to whichever one of those three guys they decided not to cover that time when the play took off. Yeah. And and that yeah that was your only that was your only way but yeah I I did that I did a season where I never threw a pass and I just ran the ball every time 
I, you know, I, I've tried, you know, all different permutations. I tried where I would kick and try to get my kicker, kicker stats as good as possible. You know, bits are fun. But they also consumed a lot of time when I was growing up. Yeah. And this time clearly not filled with girls in any form or fashion. Oh my gosh, no. Oh my gosh, no. I think the the rosters on that game were 1991. Is that right? Yeah, it was 91. Okay. Yeah. But I I mean, I could probably, at least on the offensive side of the ball, be pretty darn close for... QB wide receivers and running backs for pretty much every team in 1991. I think the only bit I pulled on that game was just playing it long enough where I could, where I won the Super Bowl with every single team. And when it got down to like the Colts and the Patriots, that was probably the, by far the biggest struggle to get through the entire season and win and win the championship. They were, they were really bad on that game. I'm trying to think who else was bad. Saints were bad. Yeah, but not. Not too bad. I'm trying to think. They had Ironhead though. Yeah, I believe that was a good. I believe bit. Dalton Hilliard was on there, so he had a nice speed back. Yeah, Ironhead was a good bit. Yeah. Um, Tampa Bay was really bad. Yes, they were. They were god awful. Had Steve Deberg at quarterback, and the terrible quarterbacks. They had a defensive back that I I don't even know if he was actually really good because I didn't actually spend that much time watching real football in 1991. His name was Wayne Haddix. Oh yes, I'm I'm very familiar with the great Wayne Haddix. His his uh his average condition running speed or running power whatever it was called was 81. So you could pick him lined up as a corner and sack the quarterback almost every time. Yeah. And then the uh the terrible quarterbacks it was always just laughable because the way they differentiated one a good quarterback from a bad was when you threw a deep pass Good quarterbacks just had a nice, you know, arc to it. And the bad quarterbacks, the ball basically traveled in somewhere above the stratosphere and then came down, you know, 12 seconds later. Yeah, literally went out of the screen. There's nothing more defeating than having that top receiver be completely unguarded and then you let the pass go with Jeff George and uh, it just goes right up out of the screen and comes back down and it's 15 yards over his head. Wow, those were... Uh... Those were good days. How did we get? How did we get there? We got from beachside vacation to Steve Deberg throwing deep balls to <laughs> whoever the Buccaneers receivers were back then. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how we got there, but I, I will say the the back to the beach. The all the every all the activities were fun. We had a we had a good time traveling on a plane with kids is a nightmare. I I don't know. Have you done that? Only with. Uh, only with the oldest one, not with uh, not with both yet. So we've got a five-year-old and a ten-month-old. You know, essentially a baby. I guess you can still call her a baby. I think so. When we were going back, when we left to go back, our flight out of Virginia left about three. The the I think it was three ten was the departure time, and the baby usually goes down for a nap between you know one and two. And the flight out there, she was just real restless, and it it wasn't. I mean, I don't think anybody else was probably doing a podcast about how bad it was sitting behind us, but it was a it was a struggle. You know, it's about a tw- two hour twenty minute <laughs> flight, two and two hour and twenty minute flight. So we had this this really good idea that we were going to not let her sleep. So we got to the airport a little bit too early because you, you know you read that the TSA's backed up. Well, they're not. We got through security in like five minutes. 
and we're just taking turns walking through the terminal, just doing everything we can to keep this baby awake because we're like, we're going to get her on the plane. You know, my wife's going to feed her on the plane and she's going to fall right asleep and then we're going to be set. Um, so it gets to be about three o'clock while they say there's storms in Dallas. The flight's going to, the flight, the plane's going to be late getting here. It's not going to be here till 3.30. Fine, we're still just grinding, you know, keeping that baby awake. We get on the plane at 3.30 uh, baby's really getting fussy. I mean, she's crying. I mean, people are looking at us coming down the aisle going, Oh boy, you know, we're, we got the, she's crying before we even get to our seats. And then the pilot comes on and says, right. well, you know, they've got storms in Dallas, so everything's backed up there. So there's no open gates. So we're going to sit on the plane on the ground in Virginia till five thirty, and then we're going to take off. So, so then you pulled out the, the gun you had smuggled on the plane and <laughs> pointed it at your head. Yeah, since the TSA wasn't really doing their job. No, so so my wife went ahead and fed the baby because, I mean, it was it was kind of do or die, and the baby slept right up until 5.30, basically right when the uh, the guy with the you know glowing cones was waving the plane back, and then the baby woke up and was like, all right. So so plane flights, huh? And then, then it was just a uh, white-knuckle ride for the next, you know, two hours and 20 minutes of just please don't cry, please don't cry, standing up, walking down to the back aisle, trying every trick in the book. But she, she did okay, or was it, a, is it, was it a disaster? It wasn't a disaster. It, it, was, it wasn't a disaster because we were determined to make it not a disaster. I mean, I think there's a lot of parents out there who just don't, just don't give an F, and right. they're just going to let their kid flip out. We, you know, we can sense when it's coming, and we we were able to, you know, do everything we could. But, I mean, we were exhausted. I mean, we, we get to the, you know, gate in Dallas, you know, close to 8 o'clock. And, and um, yeah, I mean, we, it was it was terrible. It was, you know, for us, it was a ridiculously long, hard flight. And then we get in the car, and, I mean, within two minutes, we're not even out of the parking garage, and, and both our kids are fast asleep. Yeah, well, that's just the way it works. But and, and our older one was fine, but he spent the last – hour of the flight just well how much longer how much longer because we brought one movie right. that we watched before we even you know were barely we were done with it before we were barely in the air and you know the sky mall is only interesting for so long yeah well of course you're retired i mean you had a whole week of your luxurious beachfront one percent vacation so i mean there's nothing relaxing about taking a vacation with the kids sir and you know this you know this um yeah, you couldn't just pawn them off on the rest of the family and just go play Tecmo Super Bowl or anything like that. We, tr- you know, we did for some, but there, there's something about the whole backyard of this place is just straight down into the ocean, you know. And there, when you have that level of danger in kids that are as dumb as mine, <laughs> you you never can relax, even even when somebody else is watching them, because there's about five exits out of this house and all those kids want to do is run right up to the edge of that yeah. water. Wow. And you know, as easy going as I like to think I am that, that nightmare just replays over and over and over again in your head. You can't, you can't ever get that out of your mind, no matter where you are. Did you see any, uh, any, any sea life in the ocean? Maybe sh- some sharks and stuff, or did a dolphin try to take advantage of you? <laughs> We did some fishing off that dock, and I'm telling you, I've never, I've never done fishing like that. I mean, we, 
you threw your line in the water and within a minute you had a fish on there. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And we were catching all kinds of all kinds of stuff and even caught a couple of eels. There's, wow. you know, turtles all around. We didn't catch any turtles, thank God, because apparently catching a turtle there is like a big ordeal. They have these phone numbers posted on every dock. Like, if you catch a turtle, do not do anything. Call this number. I guess they're endangered or something. Uh, I would assume so. So, yeah, thankfully we didn't do that. But, I mean, it was the we were on the um, bay side or whatever, so it's kind of brackish water. So we caught catfish and bass and, you know, fish that you normally associate with freshwater. And then we caught, you know, like more ocean type fish caught these eels you know it was really it was cool i mean it was a it was a fun trip definitely definitely would recommend it for people looking to have a family getaway it's not not so much a uh, romantic getaway yeah this does not it's just a bunch of a bunch of old people and a bunch of kids is no nothing in there that'll get you get you too revved up down there for sure <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say this does not sound like a, a baby making retreat uh, whatsoever. No, there, believe me, when you're sleeping in a house with about fifteen other people, including <laughs> your parents, there there's no love making going on. So you're telling me it's literally impossible that anything was conceived over the course of this trip. Literally impossible. Okay. Literally impossible. That is that is broadcasted podcast confirmation of that. Yes, it is. But you know what? I feel well rested. I'm happy to be back, and and it looks like, if my Twitter timeline tells me anything, while I was away, enjoying the life of luxury, three eleven or three underscore eleven, Glenn was doing some pretty hard work trolling Twitter. Uh, we were hard at work today as the uh, the the Rangers took on the the Astros, and I guess do we need to throw out our, our Twitter handles real quick since we didn't get to that at the beginning. Yeah, I guess technically this is still the show open, so... Yeah, I guess so. It's very, very extended. Yeah, a 30-minute show open. You can find me at Tommy2 underscore zero. I'm trying to commit to tweeting a little bit more, trolling a little bit more. I'm, uh, I've identified some pretty soft targets on the uh, far right wing of the political spectrum that I've got my sights set on, so... If you want to follow me, we'll have some fun. And then also make sure to go right into my Twitter timeline so you can look at all my at tweets uh, trying to draw the uh, far right offsides. Absolutely. And you can find me at at three underscore, underscore 11 Glenn. And uh, who we were trying to draw offsides today is either the ultimate genius or complete beating of at Astros Rants on Twitter on Twitter. And this is a guy who basically, I assume it's a guy, um, tweets about the Astros. He definitely hates the Rangers and everything he tweets is basically the most annoying thing you could imagine from a sports fan. Like everything the opposing team does is pure luck. And everybody on the opposing team is a thug. Um, he seems very obsessed with the word thug and the hashtag thug also. Yes, and I think, first of all, I think this whole this whole thing is a bit. This is a guy who probably is in the late 20s, early 30s demographic and has set up this Twitter handle just to draw people from opposing teams off sides and get, and get commenters to 
argue with each other because he doesn't appear to really argue back and forth to the people that respond to him or tweet at him, which I found out today. Because numerous attempts to get him to respond or argue or anything were were not successful. So I think this whole thing is a bit. Now, well, and I'll take it a step further. I think the guy's from here. I don't even think he's from Houston. That also also a possibility. Now I think the I I think that I think I think this bit is being carried out by a local because I I just pulled up. Uh, he he's been active in the last thirty minutes, but it, his incessant trolling of Evan Grant reeks of somebody local because Evan's such an easy target. Yeah. I, I actually do appreciate a lot of his humor that we're, we're just going to assume he's a dude. If it's a, if it's a girl, we're sorry. Uh, but I'm just going to assume it's a guy. Did you ever end up writing that Rangers get lucky against the Astros again? Article at Evan Grant or Evan P Grant. Sorry. <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, pretty funny. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a bad bit assuming that it is. Cause otherwise uh, just the tone of the tweets and everything kind of create the profile of your late 40s, early 50s, probably divorced, now obviously single white male who is going to vote for Trump and wants to build a wall that's like 70 feet high, you know, around all of our borders type of a profile. We've got to keep those, yeah, we've got to keep those... Uh... Hashtag thugs, right? Yeah, and let me just say, I I didn't play this, I didn't send this his way. It should have been my ultimate test, but um, they're his tweets, so I don't hesitate to point this out. There was no one during the course of the game today that he pointed out as being a thug who was of the uh, Caucasian background. Um, if we're looking at ethnicities that were labeled as thugs it was all non-caucasian so maybe that's part of the bit to draw people off sides maybe he's just an extreme racist i don't know he says mazara is starting to morph into a thug in all caps thug it's sad to see Mm. he had so much potential in all caps i mean i don't think anybody can even respond to it once you do that he says evan gaddis plays baseball the right way Sack fly when the team needs it. The pathetic team the Astros are playing wouldn't know how to do that. No, I, I had several attempts today to draw him off sides. Um, you worked hard, Glenn. I, 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 have, I, I salute you for your hard work. That's not easy. No, I mean, he, he mentioned um, Evan Gaddis was playing bas- basketball, baseball the right way, and he'd hit a sacrifice fly, and I, I asked him if he was aware that in addition to that sacrifice fly that Evan Gaddis had also sacrificed a live chicken before the game in his beard, no response. Um, Evan Gaddis plays without batting gloves, and he plays the right way because it's just as I imagined Jesus would have played if he were DHing today. No response. And there were several other attempts as well, and I just couldn't get anything out of him. So... That's why I think it's a bit, because he's not argumentative enough for it to be uh, just a real guy who's really, you know, this hard up for the Astros. Or, or let, it, let, me, let me throw a different perspective on that. Maybe it is the exact guy you think it is, and he's just not. He's just an old dude, and he's not computer savvy enough to figure out how to check his app mentions, so he just <laughs> treats Twitter as a one-way conversation. And one, one day he's going to inadvertently tap on the little ribbon across the bottom of his screen and see all these things that have been written to him and just be just 
enraged and start firing back, you know, six months down the road. Yeah, because he doesn't see that notifications bell that's going to have like 11,300 next to it. He has no yeah. idea what that is. Yeah, 9,000 9, of it for some guy named, some thug named Glenn. Yeah, I would love to be labeled that way. That would be, that would be my dream. I was also accused by some guy um, at TV Wizard 85 of being the individual that altered Evan Gaddis's Wikipedia page today to re- <laughs> to reflect that he was really a woman pretending to be a man, and he had five different species of birds within his beard, which I did not take credit for. I advised that. Uh, that was not my work, but I was accused of that. So a very odd development today during the Rangers-Astros battle, but um, I believe that's three out of four this week, and what is it, nine out of ten overall this season? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and have you scrolled through to see if he tweets like this when, we're, when they're not playing the Rangers, or is this something that only picks up when they're playing the Rangers? Well, I noticed in the comments today that somebody had mentioned that he goes off like this when it's the Rangers but when it's in any other opponent he tends to just it's very um well he he doesn't like AJ Hinch at all so a lot of it is not anti-Astros but certainly anti their manager when it's Astros against any other team other than the Rangers but I don't know that to be true that's just a comment that I saw interesting Interesting. But, yeah, I mean, 9 out of 10 against the Astros, they're playing tremendous right now. The only thing – well, not the only thing, but the thing that I'm the most concerned about is that Banny Rooster 28 is really burning up the the back end of our bullpen. Who, who in particular? I guess Dyson and Bush? Somebody had the stat the other day that Dyson – is leading the major leagues in appearances on back-to-back days with 12 already. Okay. And I mean, we're yeah. not even, you know, we're not even close to the all-star break. We're a month away from the all-star break. And, you know, if we get down into September and he's just completely burned out, you know, Dyson and Dick Mann and Bush and, and, you know, we're, we're really going to, that's really going to be, a tough position for this team to be in if you're, you know, you're counting on the resurgence of Tolly time or, you know, Renato or somebody, somebody to come in and, and actually pitch meaningful innings in close games. I, I just don't, I just don't feel good about that at all. Yeah, we can't burn that out uh, too early in the season because they look really, overall, they look really good, especially if, you know, Darvish's last outing was a little meh. But I mean, I think he'll. Uh, looks like he's going to come around. Well, I know they. They. I guess they said everything was okay with his shoulder today. If. If. Uh, yeah. If not, that would boy, that would be a tough thing. But. Well, I had read some stuff previously with guys coming back from Tommy John that there's there's a tendency like the third or fourth, uh, for starting pitchers, I guess. The third or fourth outing back from the surgery, once they get back to the majors, they rehabbed and everything, those are always a little bit questionable. That they tend to be stronger in the first couple outings than the next couple that follow, and then they're usually fine from there on. I I, I don't know the explanation behind that. Um, 
I know somebody covered it today, but I can't remember what they said. But his his shoulder apparently is is fine. It's going to be fine. He's going to go through his normal routine tomorrow, and I don't think they're going to skip him in the rotation at all. Well, and, and, and I'm not going to feel good until we've got a couple more starts under our belt behind this. But, yeah, I, 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 I think this is just a terrific team. I, I think – I don't want to jinx it, but I, I, I think there's tremendous opportunity this year for this team. I, I think they're, they're put together well. There's so many young pieces at really key positions on this team. and Everybody, everybody seems to really be buying into Banny Rooster – like I said, you know, I think I think JD's going to have to probably make some kind of a small move or two to shore up the the bullpen. Um, you know, I mean, I know we've got potentially Kella and uh, Shepherds coming back eventually, but you know that I think that's it. And 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 yeah, I, I really like what Banny's doing. Man, he's going with the going with the hot hand and the young players, and and not, you know fall into that trap wash fell into which is like oh well we've got to play our veterans and, and he's you know he's really yeah. making people earn their playing time and earn their spots and and it shows on the field so yeah we have to at least mention the the sports god that is jerks and profar at least through oh the last gosh. 12 games just amazing unbelievable and he's been better than i thought he would of course i didn't think oh yeah they'll call him up because odor is gonna punch somebody in the face and get suspended for a week and a half. But I thought he would get called up at some point during the year, probably play, you know, moderately well to well, and then might be, you know, great, something to good trade bait. But Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there with you. I'm there with you. But, I mean, they could still do that. And I think what he's done over the last couple weeks, you know, if he continues it for a while, you'd definitely be selling high. But – but see, like, kind of everything that's happened in the last forty-eight hours has really proven why maybe you don't want to do that. You know, Beltre's getting older, and he's got those you know hamstring problems that linger. And Profar can play third, which is what he did today. And then the fact that he showed amazing ability playing first base, and he's got that great stretch, and you know, made a couple of couple of really athletic plays there. You know, I think you could get him the amount of at bats you would need to justify keeping him here without necessarily having to have him locked in at one of the, you know, middle infield spots. Yeah. I don't think there's any reason to ship this guy off anywhere right now, unless you get just some kind of ridiculous offer. The odd man out in this is probably going to be Mitch, uh, as far as getting is at bats are concerned. Um, because I think, I don't think he's taken any away from Profar and, and, you know, I think, Vanny probably is going to be more inclined to stick with Fielder in the DH spot. But, no, I mean, I, I think Profar is going to be playing every day. He's not going to be used, you know, in a, in a platoon or utility role. He's going to be he's going to be playing every day. Well, and I think it might take some at-bats from Moreland this year. And in long term, I don't think Moreland was going to be here beyond this year anyway. No, no, I'm just mean this year. Yeah, he's – this is – he's done. He's done yeah. after this year here in – you know, I'm okay with that. I I, uh, I like Mitch. Yeah, he's had a good okay run here, but he's not spectacular enough that you need to invest long term. I mean, you can, you know, whether it's Profar taking up a roster spot or or the great Ryan Rua, um, who's doing a admiral job as well when they throw him out there. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing when uh, 
Chu gets back, we'll probably be seeing a lot less of him. But no, he's been great, and Hoying's been good, and you know, man, yeah, freaking Desmond's going to make a, a small fortune this off season thanks to what he's done out there today or this season. Yeah, I I look forward to him. You know, probably playing for the Yankees or Dodgers next year, making about seventeen million a year, and good for him. He he has printed a blank check for himself by absolutely by his versatility and by you know his approach to the game. So I'm I wish nothing but good things for him, man. I just wish we didn't have all these terrible contracts hanging over our head where we could you know we could be a player in that game because I'd love for him to be here for several more years, but. We're gonna be paying Chu and Prince and and uh, you know I don't you know unless unless we start paying five dollars a gallon for gas before the end of the year I don't see that uh, Desmond contract happening. Yeah, so. I don't either. Um, yeah, you mentioned is it is it Jared Hoying? Is that his first name? Yes. Yeah, I mean he's done fine. I think he's hitting like two hundred and spot starts and everything, but he definitely just has the appearance of a guy who is just dominating like an Allen softball league and he just wants some kind of contest where he can play left field for a couple of nights. He's got an odd batting stance and he just doesn't. He hit the home run to get free season tickets and that also included a short stint with the club. Yeah, you get the, or in the NBA it would be the 10-day contract. I mean, that's, when I look at that guy, that's what I'm thinking. But yeah, I mean, he's a short term until Chu comes back. Well, until Chu comes back, gets on base, and then pulls whatever muscle in his leg, you know, rounding third, and goes back <laughs> on the disabled list. Which sucks because, I mean, what has he played in more than five or ten games this whole year? No, I don't think so. I don't I don't have it in front of me. But I no, mean, because I he's so. been – I think he's been good. And Chu could – Chu could help the team really. I mean, he, you know, what his approach at the plate and 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 what he kind of brings, he could help this team. I mean, really, when he comes back, we should be even better than we are now, which is ridiculous. So you think there's a chance that uh, in late October or possibly the first week of November that the Rangers are playing a game, maybe at Wrigley Field for for all the marbles? Yeah, and I I just hope that I'm somewhere in Las Vegas vomiting. Uh, right as the Rangers were well, about to close it down. That's all I can hope for. I don't think we need a repeat of that, but I will. <laughs> so so the last time, 2011, the last time they clinched the World Series, I think uh, Michael Young caught a, a pop-out on the first base side to win the ALCS. At that very moment, I went on StubHub and got tickets to, if it went that far that year, which it did, to games six and seven of the World Series. And I will make that commitment right now that if the same scenario plays out, regardless of where it is, here, home or away, I probably have the same plan that I'm locking in for game six or seven. So your your commitment is if Michael Young comes back and starts playing again for the Rangers this year and catches the final out, you will go to the World Series? Well, no... No, not, I don't mean it that literally. I just mean if the Rangers clinch a trip to the World Series, I'm, we're, I'm executing the same plan as, as five years ago. And I will be there. Well, I'll tell you what. If the World Series is in Wrigley and you want tickets to Game 6 and 7, you're probably going to have to sell some uh, shares uh, of long-term investments to fund that ticket. 
Do I sound worried? Is this a is this a voice of concern that you hear? No, Glenn, you haven't flinched at all. I have no, I have, I have the utmost confidence that this doesn't phase you in any way. Yeah, like I haven't even blinked or anything. No, no, you're just completely steady. Yeah. hand on the wheel the whole time. I've steady. been, I've been saving up for this moment my my entire life. So, I wish I had your disposable income. I, I truly, I do. really thought that the response was going to be that you were in and you were going to go, you were going to go with me. But there's also a chance this game's in Arlington. Well, if you can find if you can find us tickets for like you know twenty five to fifty dollar range, I'm in. Well, let's just say that you know for the for the World Series in St. Louis, for two tickets for both games, we were maybe just short of a couple of grand to go to those two games. Oh yeah, and I bet you'll be double that if it's a regular. Yeah, that's the problem if it's there, because that's going to be such a huge ticket. No, if it's there, if it's there, I'm thinking you're you're gonna be hard pressed to find a ticket under under a grand probably anywhere in that place for for game six or seven. Well, it sounds like I just go by myself then, and I just saved <laughs> half the money, so no uh, no problem. Oh, you know, point point break, Dave. Uh, you know, he might be able to take out like another arm <laughs> loan or, or terrible loan refinance, cash out refinance, something like that. He terrible might idea. The arm loan is one of the worst ideas you can execute in life. But I w- see Point Break Dave's the kind of guy that'd go to like you know rent a center rooms to go and just get the biggest TV, get there, and then just pay like twelve dollars a week for it. I mean he he's 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 very familiar with all those kind of financial. We need to get problems. Dave back on here because there's no way he has more than twenty nine dollars to his name. Yet he has all the luxuries in life that you can imagine. Yeah, Dave, Dave, Dave could, Dave yeah. could make that happen. He could, you know, he could get a couple of those zero percent interest credit cards and just kind of split the payments amongst all of them, and you know, finance a few things. Maybe visit a payday loan provider. They have He'll a, a fair like thirty nine percent interest rate on whatever you borrow. It's fine. That's why he's Point Break Dave because he he's a he's action oriented. He makes things happen. He doesn't mess yeah. around. He didn't miss out on he. he He's like the the scaled down version of the Marlins man, you know, with the oh. orange hat. I mean, that's pretty much Point Break Dave. If there's something like that that needs to to be attended, he'll be there. Yeah, that guy's a hero. Um, yeah, well, what we need to do is just uh, definitely pray for the AL to win the All Star game. So home field advantage is here, and we're just making a short trek over to a uh, ballpark way. Yeah. Parking next to the Sheridan and making the short walk through the the third base entrance, and that's where we'll be for games six and seven against the Cubs. And I'll tell you what, I'll make the commitment to you that if that's happening, I will be there. Wow. I Well, it's gonna happen because we talked about it. That that that's gonna make it happen. I mean, honestly, the only thing I'm worried about is it not getting to six or seven, that we just go ahead and knock it out in four. That's that's the that's what I That's I'm a good point. I wonder what Astros Rants guy would have to say about all this. Well, maybe three eleven three eleven Glenn could take his temperature on that tomorrow. Maybe so. Maybe we can run that hypothetical by him. I have a I have a knack for the hypothetical, so maybe I can run that uh by him and see what he's got to say. But he, he hasn't had anything to say yet to anything I've I've posed to him. I mean, even that the Astros' early struggles today may have been due to some sort of violent diarrhea. I mean, not even anything. Not even like you're an idiot or no response whatsoever. Nothing, but I did notice he had time to Photoshop a Hillary Clinton tweet to make it anti-Evan Grant, so... Wow. 
more evidence that this is a younger guy doing a bit or twelve year old. Getting a good laugh about all of this. Yeah, a twelve year old with his vintage NES playing. He's controlling Wayne Haddocks right now with the Buccaneers. <laughs> well, if he is, if he is, he's balling out. Oh yeah, he's got like seventeen sacks already. Yeah, seventeen sacks and six picks. <laughs> uh, so what else do we have to go over? Well, I've got I've got one more kind of short thing I wanted to tell you. I I haven't got a chance to tell you this yet, but I um I pulled my groin. Sounds hot. It's really not. It's actually terrible. I, I, have you ever done that? Um, I don't. I mean, I've sustained some sort of injury, but I don't think it was. I don't know if it was defined as a groin pull or not. I think I tweaked no, I, it. I, I'm going to say it was a groin I, I tweak. I legitimately pulled it, in, and it, it's so painful because the um, the pain from it actually like will manifest and radiate into your balls. Yeah, I've never experienced that, at least not... Uh, well, no, I've never experienced that. So, yeah, so I'm I'm limping around here with, uh, as George DiGiani would say, tender balls. <laughs> But but what you'll be real proud of me is how I actually managed to pull it because it it goes back. Please tell me <laughs> that you were that you were squatting like four hundred and fifty pounds. Oh, it's it's um it's it's about that bad. I uh, well I I I had kind of I had heard it in in the softball tournament that I think we talked about a couple of episodes ago and and it not pulled it but I I had done enough where. I was aware of it and, you know, was a little bit sore while I was in the gym um, trying to really, you'd really convicted me to try to up the amount of weight I could deadlift. Might have overdone it just a touch. Uh, and then the last thing I had to do before I could head home from the workout was to just um, do some quick abs. And they have one of those ab uh, chairs, you know, where you hook your legs under the the uh, bottom part and then you grab the handles on the top and you're there's a weight stack and you're just crunching, you know, kind of in a seated position. Yeah. Well, this particular one, well, how did you pull your groin doing that? This particular one has two sets of handles. It has the handles that you grab to, uh, execute the, um, crunch. And then it has a couple of straight handles that you use to kind of pull yourself up and position yourself onto the machine. So I decided to go ahead and do full max okay. effort into a, uh, you know, put, put the weight a little higher than normal while holding the wrong handles. And uh, just put every bit of <laughs> effort into that move. And obviously the machine budges nowhere and just felt like my groin pop as I've got my legs kind of hooked under the, the feet part of this machine and, and i mean as soon as i did it, i just jumped off the machine it was just like oh my gosh and uh yeah so limped around for four days and then finally had to do the real um walk of shame which is i had to contact my physician did you have an mri done because my uh no but uh, but my balls were hurting so bad that I was really concerned there might be something wrong. Oh no. And uh, I called and was able to get him on the phone. I, I, uh, you know, left a message and said, Hey, I'm a patient here. I really don't want to come in if I don't have to, you know, if there's way the doctor called me back, he calls me back late at night. And like, literally he was dying laughing as I'm trying to explain it to him on the phone. And I didn't even tell him how I did it. Right. 
And I'm just telling him how bad my balls are hurting, and he's just laughing. He's like, dude, you're fine. It's just a growing pool. Take some Advil. Be a man, basically. Yeah, it's good advice. And uh, he was right. I'm feeling a lot better today. I, it, it was a pretty rough week, but uh, the pain subsided somewhat today. So I didn't think I was going to have to clarify this, but but your balls are doing better today than they were a few days ago? I would say that if you were going to draw a graph of how my balls are doing, that the uh, the line would be trending up, yes. Okay. I, I seems like a pie chart would be more helpful for me, but I can I can go with the line graph uh, analogy. I can work with that. My balls aren't interested in any kind of pie. You know that. Just writing down other potential titles for this. That one kind of uh, spurred some interest as well. Hey, my my balls have been hurting so bad for the last week. Nothing's stirred much interest. I'm telling you. Mm, not that's even a, that's a tough not one, even pal. that Prince Fielder home run about the fifth inning today. Yeah, did you uh, did you see where that? I don't know if she was paying attention to the game or not, but that home run, the home run ball broke some girl's <laughs> iPhone in the crowd. It hit the girl's, hit the girl's phone. Yeah, and then and then this huge douchebag wouldn't give her the ball, which I guess I kind of see both sides of that story. But I mean, if some girl's not even paying attention to the game and her phone gets broken, do you really give her the ball? But then Noxie no. kind of guilted him into doing it. No, first of all, if uh, okay, I, I'll ask you the question. Have you ever caught either a home run ball or a foul ball at a Major League Baseball game? I have not, but I have sat next to someone who did. Okay. Well, I've I've never caught one. And the only way I would be even tempted to give it to someone else would be like if I reached over someone, you know, like a kid or... I don't know, I caught it, and there was just, I don't know, maybe the most sympathetic child of all time was behind me. Maybe I would give it away. But otherwise, I'm not giving it up, one, because I can bring it home and give it to my own kid, and secondly, because I've never caught one myself, and that would be awesome, you know, to catch one. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm giving that up. This is actually kind of a funny story because the the guy that <laughs> – talk about bringing our conversation full circle i was actually at wrigley field when it happened so there's part one for my montage there you go well part two is is and you know that you know this guy that i was with but he he's the inexplicable world's biggest cub fan that that he lives in Carrollton. and (laughs) well uh, he's a he's a wgn cubs fan as as i was a always rangers favorite team but other but secondarily i was a tbs braves fan for many many years tbs braves fan sure through the through the lean years of the late 80s and then i enjoyed a good 15 years straight of division titles and then around whenever that was the early 2000s i thought what am i doing and it we're straight rangers now that's good but no, I'm, I'm sitting with this guy. He's at where he's at Wrigley Field. It's his dream to always be there. He's wearing a freaking Mark Grace jersey, uh, not a t-shirt jersey, Gosh. like a button-up Mark Grace jersey. Well, they're playing the Astros. This is back when the Astros were still in the National League. Um, we got there, of course, you know, really early because he wanted to walk around the whole stadium. We took in the whole experience. It was awesome. Wrigley was awesome. I had a great time. Well. There's a uh, woman, you know, 10 or 
12 rows in front of us in a, in a Astros gear, Astros hat, Astros t-shirt, jersey. Well, they're done uh, They're done with BP. Their Astros are heading into the dugout. Guy sees her, an Astro player sees her, um, points at her, tosses her the ball, it hits her hand, and skips probably about halfway up. And my buddy's out of his seat to grab this ball and then sits down and she stares at him for two or three minutes. <laughs> And he just puts his head down. He's like, I got a ball from Wrigley Field. I'm not giving it to anybody. I got a ball from Wrigley and, Field. And, and he just looked down until, you know, and, and, and it was even worse because it was there were, the, the place was probably a quarter full at this. I mean, this is, they were talking about batting practice early. So there's not anybody around. This, I mean, it's just basically it feels like it's just this him and this lady in the park. And she's gotten screwed out of her Astro ball that they tried to give to her. And and our buddy, uh, he ain't budging, man. He he's keeping that ball. There's no there's no way you're prying out of his hand. Well, I uh, I side with him because the the opposing team was the was the Astros. They get he gets a free pass <laughs> in my mind just for that yeah, reason only. Because your arch enemy Astros rants. Yeah. F the F that twelve year old <laughs> who won't respond to my trolling. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, never caught a ball. Um, I can attest that kind of robbed like a, uh, probably about a 10 year old of a free t-shirt at a Ranger game a few years back. Um, when, whatever, what are the girls called who stand on the dugout and throw those out? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're called actually. They're, they're called underage is what you need to think of them as. Okay. That's probably pretty, pretty sound advice. All those comments that you were telling me before we got on started the show tonight about them, I'm just gonna keep those to myself. But that's how you need yeah, to think you, of them, Glenn. You, you you do that in the event that maybe you're deposed later on that issue, you can claim some sort of plausible <laughs> deniability. But um, that's good advice. I want to say that uh, that shirt that I stole from a young child. I think I gave. I think. Memory serves. I think that that uh, Dave was there that night, and that was, was the reason, because I had caught one that they threw out that was headed straight to him, and grasped that or you know pulled that from his grasp and talked some trash, and then I kind of felt bad, so I felt like I had to catch one uh, if I could for for his sake. So some one came my way. It was a little uh, short of me, but I. Use the old reach to reach forward and grab one and hand it to him, and then look down. and There was a very disappointed ten-year-old at the time, but he's got plenty of life to catch a T-shirt. I think it was more important to get Dave that T-shirt because he does not have a whole lot going for him in life, other than occasional no. appearances on this podcast. He's he's pretty near death. No, that and massive, massive debt and and balloon payments on their way soon. Yeah. He, Dave needs some good things. To His time for is him. short, no for sure. It. In fact, I mean, I think I think the next time we're going to be all together, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get Dave over here. He's he's been eager to get back on the air, and I think we've got we've got possible window when um, he's been having to meet with his parole officer quite a bit. They're pretty regimented about when they have to meet, but he's he's found a day uh, where he feels like he can be available to to record this uh, show with us. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll have him back on the air soon to get some more of his thoughts. I think, yeah, I think maybe the next episode. I know he has some very hot opinions on the uh, nation of Brazil in particular that will <laughs> probably be shocking to everyone. All right. Well, I think I think this is probably a 
a good point to go ahead and and uh, put a nice bow on episode seven. Yeah, and let's try to hey, let's try to not take some vacations for a few weeks here and and see if we can't get some consistency on knocking these out with more regularity. Yeah, let's let's dismount before there's any further panic. 